This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. Oh my goodness, do we have a story for y'all today. You want to talk about sacrifice, you want to talk about dedication, you want to talk about living without compromise, this story honestly has every bit of that and then some it's uh it's kevin jordan and tom walters tom is the head coach of baseball at wake forest university and kevin is a former player and they just have this incredible story of their lives overlapping and now after that, i'm gonna let them tell the story you're gonna have to listen to it but they have started a nonprofit called get in the game that's all about getting young people uh specifically students and student athletes uh excited and inspired to make change in their communities, make change in themselves, themselves, and continue making the world a better place just like they've done. But before we get into the episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about some stuff going on at Athletic Brewing. Yesterday, we, we released this case, 24-pack case of different IPAs. If you're an IPA fan, I still think there's some on the website. You should definitely go check it out. It was a huge hit. It's going to, not whatever's left ain't going to last long, so go check it out. But other than that, we've got a lot of great beers coming out, a lot of, a lot of seasonal stuff. If you haven't seen any of that, I really encourage you to go to our website, athleticbrewing.com. Sign up for our newsletter down at the bottom. Just type your email in, and that will ensure anything that goes on limited release or seasonal beers, you'll get an email and a notification and the ability to, to order some because that's that's the best way to, to ensure that you hear first. Or you can join the Athletic Club, which is a monthly subscription. You can find that on the website too. But anyway, uh, let, let's get into today's episode. It's an amazing story, like I said. Check out getinthegame.org to learn more about what Tom and Kevin are starting and uh, how, how they're going to be doing this program that they're calling Get in the Game. And also, I wanted to say thank you, Christian, here at Athletic Brewing for bringing this story to our attention and, and getting Athletic Brewing involved with uh, getting the game. Uh, Christian played at Wake Forest, so that's, that's the connection there. So shout out to Christian. All right, here is the episode. The whole thing just kind of flows together. Um, I grew up in a small town in middle Georgia playing baseball, playing every sport, but my granddad specifically loved baseball, so that's the sport I attached to. And it was kind of a big fish, small pond where I was always the best player for a while. And as I got, you know, got bigger and grew up, I ran into more competition, but baseball was always something that I wanted to do. So I would do whatever it took to, you know, compete at whatever level. So I kept playing. And I think the first time Coach Walt saw me may have been, uh, I may have been 17 or was it, was it junior year? Junior summer, yep. summer after summer after junior year. Yep. Yep. And um, by that time, I think the only people that had uh, offered me was I think Kennesaw State, which is the school that my brother went to in Georgia. Um, but I wasn't, you know, a highly touted prospect at that point. But um, throughout that summer, I kind of grew into a 
a major league prospect like for the draft. And um, there are more schools reaching out, reaching out. And it took me coming on campus and actually meeting coach and in this environment and seeing the campus and going to a football game, seeing the players that, I mean, once I did that, I was sold. And I, I, I visited some other schools, Auburn. Um, we grew up in South Georgia, so Florida State was a, was always present, but um, once we visited and we met Coach, it was I think it was pretty much a done deal. Um, we we played out the uh, the process, but we ended up signing that winner, and um, I guess the rest is history. You could say that is awesome to hear. So so your talent was pretty clear early on, and you know I know you were. Um you know, a prospect for the draft and, and you were drafted by the Yankees. What, what, what was that experience like just growing up in, in middle of Georgia? You know, I grew up in Florida and so it's, you know, very similar rural area. And, uh, you know, just w- when folks make it to the, the pros, which they do every now and then, it's a huge deal for the area. W- was it like that for you? Yeah. Being, being in a small town, all the showcases and everything is in Atlanta. So the players that are from Atlanta get all the notoriety and, you know, that kind of built a chip on my shoulder. And I carried that everywhere I went when I was that age. And I would just dominate showcases, showcase after showcase. And, you know, we had, I think we had 15 of the 30 MLB scouts at our house basically discussing, you know, where and if they're going to draft me or pick me or not. And I would, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. That was an amazing experience. And, you know, I, I had that experience up until senior year. And I just so happened that I got sick right before my high school senior season. And we didn't know what it was. And it ended up being vasculitis, which led to a full kidney failure that summer. But throughout the whole baseball season, we played not very well sometimes. (laughs) But um, we played enough to make it to the playoffs. And literally the week before we got put out of the playoffs, my dialysis, my, I was scheduled to get the dialysis, um, the tubes put in to do dialysis. So whether we made it to the next round or not, I wasn't going to be able to play. That Yeah, that hit me really quick after being at such a high. I kind of hit a low really quick after that. But, it was, I mean, amazing experience that, that year going into that. Yeah, I, I, that you want to talk about a high and a low. I mean, you know, not a lot of people get the high, first of all, of, of potentially making it to the pros and then the low of, you know, your your life almost being in threat. I mean, what what was your mental state during that time? Like, what was your internal conversation? Was it like, oh, you know, how could all this happen to me? Or was it I'm going to get fight through this? What What kind of person are you when stuff like that comes up? I think at that point I was I was just in the space of whatever was going to come up I was going to basically handle it the same way that I've handled everything was just to attack it you know fig- figure out what it is figure out what I need to do and you know eventually something's going to happen you know something's going to break through something's going to break through just keep doing what you need to do and you know I I had some bad nights where you know I just couldn't get along with that but 90% of the time that was my attitude and and Coach Walter will attest. I mean, I, I got to wake and I was 150 pounds um, doing dialysis 15 hours a day, but I still wanted to make sure I got to practice when I could and hit BP. Even you know it wasn't very good, but um, 
I wanted to be on the field and be a part of the team because I always felt like somehow, you know, something was going to come together where I got to kind of still fulfill this this dream that I had. So, so for you, Tom, seeing it on the other or coach, you know, whatever, we actually haven't established what you prefer to go by. So my apologies, but I was going to ask, you know, what, 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 what were you seeing from your side, um, either the coach's point of view or just, you know, oh man, one of our prospects is, is, is struggling like this. Was it, was it hard to watch? Was it something that inspired you? What, what was that like? Well, so again, we, we went through a similar range of emotions um, that, that Kevin did. We went from jubilation of, of getting somebody of Kevin's talent to commit to our program. Again, his, his kind of breakout moment was the, the Bo Jackson skills challenge that I think he either won or came in second place in down in Florida, which was a big national event. And he kind of blew up after that and was getting calls from everybody and their brother. And um, we were thrilled that he chose Wake Forest and thought he was the kind of guy, you know, we were a new coaching staff building a program and he was the kind of talent that we could build a program around um, and build a lineup around, quite honestly. So uh, we were thrilled that he was coming and then you get him to commit. Then you realize you're going to have to recruit him all over again when the draft comes. So we're worried about losing him to the draft. So you go from jubilation to trepidation, and then we find out, you know, that he's got this ankyovasculitis and that he's fighting for his life. And so it goes from, you know, at that point, baseball goes right out the window and we're just concerned about him as a, as a human being, like, you know, like, you know, like you would if he were your son. Um, and, and that's obviously how we feel about him. Um, our coaching staff, you know, was, was just worried about his, his health and, and having a, a, a normal life um, at that point. So, um, you know, we went through the whole range of emotions like everybody else did. And, um, you know, again, a lot of people, when they talk about our story, they talk, they use the word courage a lot. And sometimes that courage gets attached to me, um, mistakenly attached to me, that, that I was the one that had the courage in, in giving my kidney to Kevin. Well, and the reality is, you know, the courage of this story is Kevin, because Kevin you know, I don't know many young people that 18 years old would have moved from Columbus, Georgia to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He didn't know a single soul on the campus other than than me and our assistant coach, Bill Salento. Uh, he didn't know anybody. He didn't know anybody at the school, didn't know anybody in the athletic department, let alone on the baseball team. And here he is, you know, down 40, 45 pounds fighting for his life. And he moved to North Carolina. To, to follow his dream. And I, and I just can't even imagine the amount of courage it took for that, for that young man to do that at that time of his life. Again, when most of us would have just stayed where we were and let mom and dad take care of us, you know, Kevin was, was dreaming bigger than that. And he moved himself to Winston-Salem, moved his care, his medical care to Winston-Salem, you know, and the, and the other thing that was most impressive about Kevin was the only thing you ever heard from him was, how he's going to get back. You know what I mean? It was always, it was never about woe is me or what am I going to do now? Or why did this happen to me? It was always about, here's what I'm going to do to get back to where I want to be. And um, so just super impressive from our end. When did it start to become either a question or a parent that Kevin, you would need a kidney. And then what did that process look like to, to start finding one? What was that whole experience like? Yeah. So by the time we got on campus, it was the summer and um, the doctors had told us that we were going to need a transplant. But 
we didn't we hadn't been up to Wake yet, and the coaches hadn't seen me. So you know, we set up a doctor's visit so the coaches would so the doctors would be able to kind of communicate with the coaches and let them know the severity of everything. Before then, we didn't we we weren't uh, pursuing donors, but as soon as we got up there. We had the initial visit, and I think Coach saw me and kind of realized what the actual situation was. And um, he immediately um, kind of volunteered to, you know, do whatever it took to get tested to be, you know, to be a donor. And it's one of those things that you kind of brush off, you know, you're like, yeah, like, you know, I'll get tested. I was like, yeah, you'll get tested. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but he went through all the all the work, you know, without us even checking on it or anything. Meanwhile, my brother had gotten tested and he wasn't able to do it. And my mom got got tested and she was close, but she wasn't able to donate. It was the next winter coach around December sometime. Coach told pretty much told me that it was a, everything was a match and all he had to do is plan the surgery. I was surprised. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know he was he was actually going through with everything, but he was so. Yeah, it, it that that was sort of the timeline of all that, and it was I didn't I didn't know what I was gonna do going to the next semester, but it just so happened by January, we had a, a surgery date, and it was February seventh of uh, two thousand eleven. Wow, so 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 you know, coach, for you, you know, what was the thought process? Was there a discussion with you and your family? Just like what? How, how did you make that decision? That's you know, that's a lot to offer. You can't offer all your all your student athletes that, you know, you only got a couple of them. So you got to be kind of careful with them. So what, what, what was that process like for you? So as Kevin said, that initial doctor's appointment in Winston-Salem, it was Kevin, his parents, myself and Jeff Strom. And we were in the hospital with Dr. Friedman from Wake Baptist. And that was the first time Kevin had seen the Wake Baptist folks. He had, he had been doing his care at Emory prior to that. Um, and had been seeing a pediatric nephrologist prior to that. So he was getting transferred to an adult nephrologist in Winston-Salem. You know, I wanted to sit in on that meeting, as did our trainer. So like Kevin said, so we knew what we were signing up for because we, we didn't know at that time, um, you know, what exactly it was. Kevin and his, and his family walked through everything they had been through starting in January when he first got sick. Um, leading up to that moment where, again, I think up until right about that time, they thought medication was going to solve this. They, Kevin was on all sorts of medication and they were hoping that, you know, the medication could get rid of the, the Anca bacteria and save and there would be enough kidney function left to save his kidneys. And as I sat there in that meeting, listening to Dr. Friedman, he made it very clear that, you know, his kidneys were not savable, that he was going to need a new kidney um, in, in order to function. So, you know, as we were touring after, after that, and I, and I just remember sitting there in complete shock and awe in everything that he had been through, you know, from January leading up to that day on campus. And again, from the time I saw him in November being 195 pounds and, and carved out of granite, you know, looked like he was, you know, just a, looked like a, a free safety in the NFL. The first time I met him, and um, and then to see him, as Kevin said, in August, I mean, he was 150, 155 pounds, so 40, 45 pounds lighter. His skin tone was entirely different. Um, he, and again, if he had not been in that restaurant with his parents, I would have walked right past him and not known who it was. I met them at a restaurant downtown 
And if it had just been me meeting Kevin, I would have walked right past him and not known who he was. And um, but his parents were there. And and so, um, you know, I just remember in that moment going, wow, this is a lot different than than I could have ever anticipated. So, you know, when we were touring the facility after the doctor walked through all that and we were touring the facility, um, the doctor had mentioned what it took to be a donor. And the first thing it takes is just a is just a, a similar blood type. And Kevin's O positive and I'm O positive. It's, you know, I'm not the best at, at math, but I can figure out that those are the same, you know. So I just mentioned to his dad kind of off the cuff. I said, look, I'm, I'll get tested. I said, I got the same blood that Kevin does. I'll get tested right now. And the dad was like, no, we got it. You know, either me or his mom or his brother will do it. And we've got it under control. And then, like Kevin said, fast forward to December and everybody you know, in the family had fallen through as a match. And Kevin's dad called me um, and I was driving with my kids. We were on our way to Myrtle Beach um, for Christmas. Kevin's dad called me and said, hey, you still willing to get tested? And uh, and I said, absolutely. And I, I turned the car around. I drove back to Winston-Salem, went to the donor coordinator, got an ABO cross match, which is the first test. And uh, obviously that passed. And then I ended up, um, you know, having to go down to Emory and, and do a bunch of tests down there and do a, you know, I had to collect, I had to walk around and collect my urine for 48 hours and, and turn that into somebody and all sorts of pleasant things. Never told Kevin about that one. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, and like Kevin said, I mean, I was wanting to get this done before our season. You know, we were Kevin took that semester off because he he wasn't at the point where he could continue. He that first semester he got through classes and and managed to do well in his classes and uh, but that second semester you know in the hopes that we were going to have a transplant surgery whether you know he, at the time we didn't know it was me but he was going to stay home he wasn't going to come and hopefully hoping to have the surgery and then be back in the fall kind of thing um, and then uh, but I was I was wanting to do it before the season because I knew I couldn't do it during the season. So it was really a matter. I was I was calling the hospital. Erica Henderson was the donor coordinator at Emory at the time. And I was calling Erica every day saying because I knew I was a match, Mason. I, I had no there was never a time through this that I didn't know that I was going to be the guy. Right. And I don't just one of those things where I just knew I just knew. And um, so. I was calling Erica every day saying, have the doctors looked at my file? Have the doctors, because what happens is your file sits in a big stack of files and the doctors meet once a week and they, as much time as they have while they're eating their lunch, they pull three or four files out of there and they make a decision whether it's a match or not. You know, literally, you know, I called her every day till she promised that they would look at our file first at the next meeting. And then she, so I was, she, she promised me she was going to call me. Um, I think it was, I'm sure it was a Tuesday and it was a Friday. Sorry. It was a Friday and I knew she was going to call me and I had my phone with me at practice and, uh, and I got the call that, that again, I, I already knew the answer, but I was, I was, um, I was glad to get that call. So I called Kevin immediately and, and we set the date and, uh, the rest is history. That's wild. I'm just sitting here hearing these details I knew nothing about and just, I mean, it's like, you know, there's, there's times in life, there's pivotal moments. And I know y'all have probably told this story a thousand times. So I appreciate you just telling it again, but 
for anyone hearing it, it's just, you know, it's mind blowing to think that all that was in place and that, you know, there never is a real convenient time to probably donate an organ, but I'm sure in the middle of a baseball season is, is, is definitely not one. So the fact that it just all worked out in time and, you know, that was just the beginning, honestly, of this. And then once once the, the, the donation had taken place, it was, you know, a whole second, you know, this whole other chapter of the book the, uh, of, of Kevin, you recovering, coming back to play and having a career at Wake Forest. Did, did, did you feel pressure to perform for coach after that? It's almost like, <laughs> hey, you donated your kidney. Now I got to just crush it out on the field. I really didn't. Um, I I will say I, I probably lost a chip on my shoulder that I always had, but I, I felt free. I felt free to just kind of play, not just not just happy to be there or anything, but just like just a, a freedom that I probably never felt before. Just you know, I was just playing baseball. I, I part of me, a small part of me, didn't think I would be able to do it, even though you know I never let myself say that. So you know, when being able to do it and and uh, play well sometimes, sometimes not so much, but it, the the good times definitely outweigh the bad. I'll say that over the, the five years that I that I got to um, stay at Wake. So. Yeah, he had, Kevin is, is humble. He had lots of great moments in a Wake Forest uniform. He uh, One of my favorites was we went that next year, we went down and played in Atlanta at Georgia Tech opening weekend of the conference series. And we were facing at the time Buck Farmer, who was – ended up pitching in the big leagues now. He's their number one pitcher. And Emery, you know, fell in love with Kevin while he was there. So they sent all the doctors and nurses. And Emery had about 75 people in the stands. And then the Kevin Jordan's family, there was another 75 people in the fans that were, you know, part of Kevin's family and close friends that had come up from Columbus to watch. And um, and Kevin hit a home run on the first pitch he saw. And that, uh, that stadium went crazy. So um, it was – the really cool kind of culmination of that story, him being back in Atlanta, hitting a home run in that moment off of that guy with all those people in the stands. It's like a movie scene. You you can ask Christian. When I did get into some, I really got into some. I, I think I took a few off of him in uh in, in scrimmages. He'll he'll tell you the story about some of those. <laughs> I'll have to ask him that. I can't wait. Yeah, make sure you ask him about that. Man, that is that is wild. So you know, you know, I mean, there's just a million ways we could take in this interview and just hear more about the stories. But I'd love to know, you know, looking back almost ten years now, I don't know how that sounds to y'all. Just thinking, like, wow, almost a decade has gone by. Maybe it seemed like longer, maybe it hasn't. But what would you say has been, I don't know, the long term effect of of that decision uh, for you, coach, and that that donation and also for for you kevin being the recipient of that what what do you think for each of you individually has been the long-term effect of of that i mean i i'll go ahead and say it's it's this it's, it's getting the game that's the long-term effect i mean i i worked in like i said i worked in uh worked for a beer distributor in atlanta did some other jobs and i i haven't felt like i felt since we've started getting the game um i feel like this is where i'm supposed to be you know, the, I'm not counting my salary. I, you know, I just, I wake up and I, I, I want to get this done. I want to, I want to make sure getting the game is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So I, I believe that everything that happened then we took that same energy and we always have that same energy. What can we do? 
um, what can be done, well, you know, and we took that and he took that energy um, that caused him to uh, obviously give me a kidney. And we started this with the same question. What, you know, what can we do? Yeah, I'll, I'll echo Kevin's sentiments on that. It's well said, Kevin. You know, what I received, Mason, is it just opened my eyes to this whole other world that I knew nothing about, this world of of organ donation and giving. Um, in this past 10 years, you know, I have people come up to me. They tell me their story of organ donation, which, which quite honestly, a lot of those stories blow our story away. I mean, there's people out there doing amazing things for people. I talked to a woman who, who donated a kidney anonymously to somebody she didn't even know. She just went into the hospital one day when she found out she had too much kidney function that she didn't need both her kidneys. And she walked into a hospital and said, I want to give my kidney. And they're like, well, you can't do that. You don't have anybody to give it to. And she said, I'm going to do it. And she sued the hospital and won the right to give her kidney to anybody that they could find. So, um, you know, again, there's just people out there doing incredible things. And I just feel so blessed to be able to hear those stories. I've had, you know, hundreds of people reach out to me about donating to Kevin because they were considering donating to somebody else. And I, I get emails from those people to this day, letting me know that the person who received their kidneys doing great and that they're doing great. You know, so I, I get to be a, a little part of that story and, and help them make make the decision. Because as I tell people who ask me, it's the best decision I ever made. I mean, I, I made it without thinking. I made it without really knowing what it was, quite honestly. But I never at any point did I second guess or regret the decision. And it, and it remains something that... Um, Again, I'm uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have been able to to do so. And and like Kevin said, it's turned into this beautiful get in the game project, which is going to you know empower students. You know, it's going it, to this is going to end up empowering millions of students. We're not talking about tens or hundreds or even thousands. We're talking about impacting millions of students and helping them find their voice, helping them find their way through this tricky time right now in the middle of COVID, in the middle of this climate where it's super hard, a dangerous space to say anything about who you are and how you feel, right? We want to educate and empower these kids so they can go into their communities and, and make a difference. So I'm just really grateful that Kevin has jumped on board and, and done what he's always done, and that's go to work. Just go to work. I love it. So a lot of people have ideas and want to do things. I hear it all the time from creators to, to, to writers to folks, you know, doing anything. It, it's a lot of people will sit around and talk about it or make an outline or something. But really, it, when it comes right down to it, it's just going out and doing it. It's go, going and getting that blood test and, and donating the kidney. It's going out and just moving to Winston-Salem and saying, you know, forget it. I'm just going to go make it happen. And so y'all both mentioned get in the game as the what has been the long-term effect on you after this decision, could you just kind of, for listeners, explain what it is? Uh, you mentioned some stuff about high school kids and young people and, and just just encouraging them to, to do great acts. Uh, what is Get in the Game? I'll hand that off to you. Yeah, so um, what it is specifically is Kevin and I going into the schools and telling our story, right? Our story of shared blood. When, when I found out I was a match, Mason, I went to somebody who's a dear friend of mine and, and to tell him, and his response to me was, can you do that? And I was confused by that. And I was like, well, what do you mean? 
And he said, well, isn't Kevin black? And I was surprised by that question. It wasn't a malicious question or a, or a racist question. It was just a question of quite honestly, not understanding science. But I remember my response to him um, was, yeah, well, my blood and his blood are the same and that's all that matters. And, you know, as I was telling Kevin this, that story this summer, I never told Kevin that before. And I was telling him that story this summer, shortly after Memorial Day and, and the tragic events of, of George Floyd's death. Um, and I was telling him that story and it just, it just hit me that that's the, that's the message that the kids in our, in our schools need to hear. So I pitched the idea to Kevin um, about starting this, this foundation where he and I would go into the school, we would tell our story of, of shared blood and my blood and his blood are the same and that's all that matters. And we would parlay that into a conversation about systemic and institutional racism, about social equity. We would impart um, lessons of kindness, you know, understanding the difference between being nice and being kind, um, you know, understanding compassion and understanding how to listen and, and, have, and have empathy for, for people of different, you know, races and, and, and socioeconomic backgrounds. You know, talking about enterprise, you know, getting these kids to take bold action in their communities. Um, so really what this boils down to is two things is one, giving these kids the, the education, the resources and the opportunity they need to go out and make a difference in their community. Right. To take real action. And it's going to be different in every community what that looks like. In some communities, it's going to be food banks and, and reading programs in schools and other communities. It's going to be you know, revitalizing playgrounds and, and, and maybe working with a church. I mean, who, who knows what that action is going to look like. But the second part is, and, and is just as important, is getting these kids to understand um, how to be intentional and, and be intentional in word, thought, and deed. I mean, again, it's such a dangerous space out there right now. And you need to be super intentional about everything you say and everything you do, because if you're not, you're not going to survive this climate right now and um, getting kids to understand that that at, an, at a young age to give them the information they need to figure out who they are, what they believe in, what they stand for, and then be able to be intentional about putting that message into the world um, and then taking that and their ideas and turning them into action. And that's the end of the day. That's what this is all about. So it, it to me what it what it shows was there was this initial this initial tragedy, Kevin, with with your with your health that was you know for for a lot of people would have just prevented so much in their life, but really y'all turned this into this opportunity to not only change your personal lives but the lives of you know just however many people I don't even want to begin to guess who have heard your story now and that are continuing to hear your story almost ten years later. And now there was this, you know, this instance, this year, this year has just been a cluster that we all know. And so you, y'all saw this opportunity again and said, let's, let's use, we, we already know how this works. We know how to take something that seems terrible and make it into life-changing, a life-changing pursuit. And you're doing it again. So I really commend y'all for, for seeing that and for taking your story and telling it to, to more and more folks. Um, what can people do to find out more? Where can they follow? Um, you know, where can they learn more about your story and what get in the game is going to be doing? As far as following us, we, we, we are on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we're at G I T G for change. 
on Instagram and Twitter, I believe. Um, Getinthegame.org is our website. Um, I believe we have a YouTube channel and Facebook. Um, but definitely look, go to the site first. I would say get, getinthegame.org has everything on there, and you can kind of follow us from there. Yeah, I, I would agree with Kevin. I mean, there's lots of ways to be involved. Uh, it all starts on our website. Our story is on the website. What we plan to do in the communities is on the website and, and ways to be involved. Um, you know, anywhere from, from donations um, to boots on the ground to connections in schools to social media to connections with medias, media and corporations. So lots of different ways to help. And this this is a subject that um, is front and center and everybody's radar right now as it as it should be and as it's needed to be for the last 60 years, quite honestly. And uh, I'm glad people are now talking about it. And because, you know, the one thing that that athletes understand and coaches understand, right, if you identify the problem, then the solution is all about hard work, right? You figure out what the problem is, you come up with a plan to solve the problem and you get to work. And that's what athletes do. That's what coaches do. And that's what getting the game is. We want to give these kids a level playing field so that when they leave our program, they look at the world like it's filled with opportunity. Too many kids leave high school and they look at the world as it's filled with obstacles and hurdles, right? We don't want any of our kids in this program to look at the world that way. We want them to see nothing but hope and love and, and possibility. Um, and dreams and that dreams come true. So um, Kevin said this perfectly, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, and I love telling people that he said this, it, you know, he spent his whole life growing up thinking that his platform was going to be in as a major league baseball player, that he was, that was going to be his platform to make a difference. Right. And, and obviously life threw him a curveball, um, and, and the, the kidney donation and the, and the, the sick, the ankyovasculitis, put him on a different path and, and he had to take a detour and, and major league baseball was no longer a reality, but that didn't stop Kevin from wanting to make a difference in this world. And that's why he's here today. And that's why getting the games here today. That's it's his heart and his vision to go out there and make a difference in the world. Fantastic y'all. Well, shoot. I, I, I know we're just about out of time. I've got a, one last question. I'd like to ask everybody that comes on the show. Y'all can answer individually. Um, you know, we, we make non-alcoholic beer all day long. That's what we do for a living. We're already thinking so far outside the box for, for most people that everything, every time we hear a crazy idea, it, it sounds a lot more doable to us because what we're doing every day anyway is crazy to most folks. So when, when we hear stories like this, it just, we, we love it. We love to hear folks pursuing things that are, um, you know, just, just off the beaten path and pursuing it without compromise. And that's the name of our show. That's our motto at the brewery is brew without compromise. What, what, what does it mean to y'all to live without compromise? I'll, uh, I'll start. First of all, I would like to thank athletic brewing for you guys donation. Um, let's not forget to mention that, um, you guys are one of our first donors and kind of allowed us to create playbook and a lot of different things uh, going forward. So thank you. But yeah, li living without compromise is figuring out what there is to be done, what you want to do, um, what change you want to make and taking action toward doing it. 
you know, no matter what, just figuring out what you need to do, what you want to do and, and taking those actions. And that's kind of what we've done with getting the game. And, and even with, uh, and before that, with, um, with uh, the story with uh, me and coach. No, Kevin, well said. And, and I echo his sentiments. Thank you to athletic brewing for, for uh, you were, you were actually our very first um, contribution and um, and and most definitely enabled us to to get this off the ground. So we'll we'll always be indebted. And yeah, without compromise is at the heart of what we're trying to do. That's what we want to get these these kids to understand. We want them to to first educate themselves so they have a better understanding of who they are, where they come from, what their place in this world is, and 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 how they want to impact the world for the better, right? And then we want them to own that. We want them to be proud of that. We want them to never, you know, we've got our nine tenets of, of social equity. Our, we're calling them the timeless, timeless nine that are, again, kindness and compassion and mercy and, and um, enterprise and ownership and things like that. And all those things are tied to without compromise. I mean, we, the timeless nine should never be compromised in any situation. It's, it's who you are. It's the, it's the very thread of your being and you should stick to that uh, come hell or high water in any situation at the end of the day. So I, I love your mission, uh, Mason. Um, you know, so throughout the years, you know, when people talk about drinking, if you, if you ask 99% of the world to describe what kind of drinker they are, they would say social drinker. I'm a social drinker, Right. And, and what you've done, right, is allow, is giving people a way to be social without drinking. And I, and I love that. I love the message that you're sending there that, hey, make your own choice about alcohol or not alcohol. Either decision is fine, but we want everybody to be social. And, and, and that camaraderie, that's what life is all about, those relationships and, and being with one another and, uh, and enjoying each other's company. So I love what you guys are doing and we appreciate you. You know, we couldn't be more grateful to be in partnership with, with folks like y'all. And so uh, we're just here to support any way we can. We're going to tell this story, get it out there. But uh, just excited for what y'all are building. Um, thank you again for being on Without Compromise. And we will be in touch when this comes out. We'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, Mason. Yeah, thank you. All right, have a good one, y'all. You too. Later. So are you feeling pretty inspired right now too? Well, if so, I hope you take action somehow. Either get involved with getting the game or start thinking about what you can do yourself to make a difference. And, and wherever you go, whatever you do, please bring some athletic brewing along because we like thinking outside the box too, uh, if that isn't obvious, being non-alcoholic beer. Have a great weekend.